Hi, and welcome to the Too Good to Waste podcast series. I want to take just a moment and thank our sponsors, the Upcycled Food Association and Net Zero for their ongoing support. The Upcycled Food Association is building a food system in which all food reaches its highest and best use. If you'd like to learn more about becoming a member or to support them by making a charitable donation, go to upcycledfood.org. And Net Zero, a modern food upcycling platform that helps power the safe capture and conversion of industrial food and beverage byproducts into new upcycled food ingredients at scale. You can learn more about Net Zero at netzero.us, powering Earth's food forward. I, I think the time where you only had to have a good product and you'd be successful and you didn't really have to care about people involved in the business or where the food came from is long gone and consumers are very savvy and they're voting with their dollars. Too good to waste. Too good to waste. Way too good to waste. Too good to waste. Absolutely. Hi, and welcome to the podcast series, Too Good to Waste. I'm your host, Kevin May, and together we're going on an adventure to explore some of the fun and creative and innovative ways that lots of people are doing their part to help find a higher value in unused food and food byproducts that might otherwise be wasted. So thanks for joining me. Let's go see if we can find out about some of these things that are too good to waste. So here's a question for you. What do bananas, triathlons, guerrilla marketing, and Brazil all have in common? Well, we're going to find out today on this exciting episode where I get to sit down and talk with Kawe Suplicy, the founder of Barnana, which is a company that is making innovative, healthier, delicious banana and plantain-based snacks while minimizing the impact on the environment. Now, Barnana is also one of the founding members of the Upcycled Food Association, and Kawe sits as a member on the board of directors. I really love the mission of this company, and we're going to dive into a lot of what really went into building the company the way Kawei had envisioned it, and how he's taken it from just a concept and an idea to what it is today. So whether you're a banana lover, a conscientious consumer, or a business owner, or maybe even an entrepreneur just trying to figure out how to get your idea launched, we absolutely have something for each and every one of you in this episode. And as an added bonus, we've never done this on the podcast before, so this is a first. The folks at Barnana have generously put together an amazing prize package with all kinds of Barnana goodies and a very special limited edition EarthDay.org poster and t-shirt as a way of extending the celebration of Earth Day from April 22nd to really an effort to make every day Earth Day. So these posters and t-shirts are no longer available, but they scored one and they'd like to give that to you. So we're going to tell you more about how you can win this later in the episode. But for now, I've kept him waiting long enough. Kawai, thank you so much for being here today. It is my absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Kevin, and thanks for uh, pronouncing my na name correctly. Uh, it's not an easy one, and you did great. Well, thanks, Gao. I, I certainly tried. I was doing my research, and glad I was able to get it right. Um, to get started, I want to go 
back to kind of the beginning because behind every good company and founder's story, there's always a great backstory. And one of the things I discovered in my research was you and I seem to have a lot in common, especially when it comes to our upbringing. I grew up in South Florida on an organic fruit and vegetable farm with really forward thinking parents who really valued the importance of locally grown and organic and healthy food. And I understand you had a similar experience. So I'm curious how your upbringing and your childhood really influenced how you, you know, grew up and what was important to you and maybe ultimately led to creating this great company called Barnana. Of course. And we do have a lot of things in common indeed. And that's why I was really looking forward to this chat because we can relate into a lot of things. So growing up in Brazil in the early 80s, I was, um, uh, my, my parents at the time were uh, very conscious about uh, what they ate and they were rebelling themselves about uh, against society. And like I, I say that they, they were visionaries for their time and my, my grandparents say that they were hippies. So there's a debate there. But uh, one thing that they did uh, was uh, already uh, try to source uh, uh, foods that are like grown locally, uh, organics already, uh, no sugar. So I feel very lucky that I grew up with no sugar in my diet. Uh, my, my candy growing up was this dehydrated bananas and other fruits. And my dad was dehydrated uh, at home in our backyard. And uh, at the same time, my family had a big farm that I used to go and spend the summers running around and picking fruits off the tree and, and eating that. And um, all of that was part of like a, a, my, me, me growing up and, and all those things became very important to me. So nutrition and even though that as a kid, I didn't like to eat all the healthy things that my parents uh, used to give me. I didn't like being the kid in school that is bringing the apple and the natural sandwich. Uh, I wanted to eat the pizza and chips like the other kids, but I really appreciate that now. Uh, and I, I, I really feel that I'm very lucky because of all, all of that. Yeah. You know, and it's when you say that there, as we said before, there's so many parallels I carried a little lunchbox with avocado and sprout sandwiches and carrot sticks from the garden and maybe a couple of cherry tomatoes. And exactly to your point, our treat was dried bananas, dried figs, dried um, dates, you know, apples, whatever we could get. And literally, that's exactly the same thing that we grew up with. You know, but I have to say, when I was that age, I don't know that I fully appreciated all that we had. And it wasn't until later in life when the house is sold and the farm is gone and all the trees have been torn down to put up big developments that I started to really have this great appreciation for what we were raised with. And I was wondering for you, when in life did you kind of realize the gift that we had as kids growing up this way? I think the realization came when I started to race triathlons and I realized how important nutrition was. I was like then consulting with nutritionists and from all over and trying to become a better athlete. Uh, and at that point that I realized, wow, I was already doing a lot of the, the things right and, and I didn't know about because I did have that phase when you become a, a pre-teenager uh, uh, mm -hmm. and, and you become a teenager and like you don't want to eat or the things that your parents tell you to do. But then 
at 16, I started uh, to, to race and realized that that was a big deal. Uh, and that, that I was already doing things right. And probably one of the reasons why I was doing well is because I was very healthy. So at that point, I was like, that became even more important to me and, and have not stopped uh, from that moment on. So uh, if anything, I became a little more relaxed now about uh, eating than I was before, because when I was racing, I was very picky about everything. And then later in life, I realized that we have to compromise a little bit sometimes because um, it's hard to, to be following specific diets and things that are very rigid. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. And I I think that speaks to at least us having the foundation that we had um, of what is good food and what is healthy and and why it's important to have healthy food in our diets. But then, as you say, due to necessity or lifestyle or whatever, we, we can vary from that from time to time. But I think one thing that comes from that, at least for me and maybe for you too, is uh, an awareness of how resilient our bodies really are when you when the majority of the time you you stick with that healthy lifestyle that you can stray but you can get back fairly quickly and i'm guessing that also come to play in your racing it's really hard to tell right because i don't know any better but i do feel uh, that uh i do i i i can count uh, in one hand the times that i i actually got sick in the past like 25 mm-hmm. years I yeah. just don't get sick at all. I re- do recover a lot faster. And I do believe that in part is because of that diet. And I mean, since the moment that I was born, I was uh, uh, eating very healthy things. So uh, I'm sure they have something, they, they affected the way uh, I recover today, even mm-hmm. though that I, I'm not even close to the shape that I was when I was racing. Um, I... I, I think I think for me because of that eating and, and, and training lifestyle that I had, uh, even when I'm out of shape, it takes me very little time to get back in shape. If I find the time to do it and get out and run in a couple of weeks, I can get in a really good shape. It doesn't make it any, any easier at the beginning when I get back to it, but I do. Right. I, I feel like I do recover a lot faster because uh, because I, I still eat very healthy. So I think that still plays a role. One one thing that is unique, and you've mentioned it, taking avocados to school, and I love avocados, eat avocados every day. Uh, that was not part of my diet growing up. Uh, in Brazil, avocados, like we treat them as a fruit. So there was no avocados in salads. There was no guacamole. Uh, that I think now became popular in Brazil. But at that time, the only way that we ate avocados, like a cream of avocado for dessert, and they would add honey and a sweetener to that, which is really random. <laughs> uh, I don't eat avocados that way now, but I do eat them every day in salads and avocado toast and things like that. That is fascinating. I actually had never heard that before. So that's a that's a new thing. And I'll look that up a little bit because it's a, it's a new way or a different way to eat avocados. I wouldn't think of them as a fruit in that sense is eating them as a dessert. But um, I do eat them for breakfast. You know, I'll just eat a half an avocado or a whole avocado for breakfast anytime. You know, that's <laughs> I, I do. And, and I, I put a little salt and I, I think in Brazil, if people did that, they'll probably put a little honey or sugar. So uh, the first time that I heard about people in the 
U.S. eating avocados with uh, tomatoes and onions. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> Why yeah. are they doing that? <laughs> well, that's it's interesting. I'm going to make a quick transition here because of something about the avocados and going sweet. You know, it's kind of savory or sweet reminds me of plantains. And we'll get into this here a little bit because you, I know you're using some plantains, but that's another fruit per se that can go either way, right? Absolutely. And the interesting thing to me um, here in the U.S. and a lot of countries, you have uh, people defer bananas and plantains. They are called two different names. In Brazil, they are all bananas. So uh, we, I think in a way you have access to more types of bananas because it's a tropical country, a lot of bananas, uh, uh, you're able to grow bananas there. And in Brazil, plantains are a banana, it just have a specific name to that specific banana. And it's the banana that you cannot really eat raw because there's a lot more fibers, a lot more starches than uh, the bananas that we normally eat uh, are fresh. So we call them the cooking banana. Uh, so absolutely, that's, uh, that's something that when I launched Barnana, um, it was kind of controversial. A lot of industry leaders and, and people, influential people are saying, oh, you shouldn't name your company after like the main ingredient because uh, you're going to be stuck with one product. Um, they didn't really understand the vision that I had. And a lot of them come to me now and say, oh, and now I get it um, because it's hard for you to know how versatile they are. And, and, and now we have, we already have four different products available uh, in the market and they're all very, very different. And in a way they come from the same raw material. So we, the, the product that I, that I grew up eating, uh, our original line, we call them the chewy banana bites. They're basically dehydrated bananas that we leave some moisture so they're chewy. Um, before we launched the bananas that people knew were banana chips that a lot of times are glazed in sugar, uh, fried in bad oils. Uh, they're a sweet, crunchy product, but not healthy or good for you. So uh, we, we launched this chewy banana bites, uh, and uh, it was great for kids or athletes, anyone looking for a, a good, health, healthy snack uh, with a easy energy. Um, for me, racing was a perfect combination. That's what I was doing when I was racing. Back then, we didn't have all the gels and bars that athletes have now. Uh, so uh, that is how everything started. And then we evolved to having a, a cookie made out of bananas. We call that cookie brittle, which is sweet as well, but a very different consistency and texture, uh, replacing the conventional wheat flour with bananas, which is very unique. And then the plantain chips came came in that again is a savory product now that is a healthier option to potato chips. And we also have tortilla chips made out of plantain flour. So a grain-free uh, version uh, to a traditional corn uh, made product. So uh, bananas and plantains are extremely uh, versatile. And you can, yeah, the, the things you can do with them are endless. There is some that are a lot uh, different than what we do. That we say, okay, we don't want to get into that right now. But uh, you can you, you can pretty much have a banana or plantain product in every aisle of the grocery store if you wanted to. We want to stick to the snacks, uh, and it's a place that we are doing really well. Consumers um, are embracing uh, the plantains and bananas, uh, not only because they're healthy, but also they. 
they are good for the environment. The way that we grow them um, is, is, is a better way to farm than, than people normally do now. But like you are very familiar with that because we're still we're doing now uh, farming the way that your parents were farming uh, before. Uh, we are growing a lot of different types of, of plants at the same spot, uh, bringing some diversity, working with uh, small uh, farms and, and really uh, bringing something back to the community, something that, I, to be honest, I didn't think was possible. Um, and, and in a way, I think looking back, uh, my parents always said, oh, you should try to work with smaller, smaller farms and, and community farms, family farms. And I was like, mom, dad, I want to create a business that's going to be big. I have this vision. It's going to be real big. We can work with those uh, family farms. It's not possible. The, the U.S. is such a big country. We need to like, really grow a lot of food, a lot of plantains, a lot of bananas to be able to supply that. And I'm so happy that I am proving myself wrong right now. Uh, our plantains are available across the nation in ho all Whole Foods stores, in Costco, in Kroger, Sprouts, CVS. So we have a really good distribution. And I'm proud to say that 100% of that product comes from small family farms, indigenous family farms in the Amazon region, which is incredible uh, to me that we are helping those uh, um, families not only make more money and have access to, to the basics uh, uh, that they need, but also in a way they're incentivized to protect uh, the forest. And uh, this allows them to stay living their lifestyle that they have been for several generations. Uh, unfortunately, what happens sometimes, those indigenous communities are pushed, uh, pushed to the cities and they end up just living poverty uh, um, and uh, we are doing our part to help them um, stay in their lifestyle and being the, the protectors of, of the forest, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think there's so much about that that makes your company and your products really stand out. And I love hearing that story about going back to the origin and really protecting the uh, indigenous growers there and not giving into the pressure as your company grows and expands. And like you said, it's, it's a big company, um, but still staying true to the mission of protecting them and working with them. Can you tell me a little bit more about what was that process like when you first started the company and you're sourcing um, these bananas or the plantains and you, you did start with smaller companies or another smaller growers, how were you able to stick with them and were they able to supply the, the quantity of bananas that you needed as you grew the company? Let's go back a little bit before that because at the time, um, I was. I came to the U.S. to race triathlons professionally. That was my dream. I um, I dropped out of college. Uh, uh, my story is a little different, where like a, a lot of people are lucky to be the first ones in their family to to have a college degree. I'm the first one not to have a college degree. Okay, <laughs> I went the other way. Uh, and my dad is a professor, so uh, he was not happy uh, about that. But um, he was happy that I was following my dream. They, he always, they, my parents always told me I, I should follow my dream and do what made me happy. I think the, the idea of that dream for them was a little different, was like a becoming an architect like my dad. Um, you had a dream though. I, yes. 
and, and, and I came here to race. So I was racing. Uh, had no business uh, uh, education or exp- a lot of experience in that. But uh, I saw the opportunity um, after seeing some other Brazilian products become very popular here. And to me, I was getting a little bit annoyed, to be honest. I, I see all of a sudden coconut water exploding um, with Vada Coco, Zico, Mark Rampola, uh, those guys uh, selling coconut water everywhere. Then all of a sudden, Madonna is drinking coconut water. And then uh, uh, Ryan and Jeremy Black bring acai, and they are on TV, and they are doing this great work. And I see that they are protecting the, the Amazon, and they are making money selling acai. I was like, this is amazing. But I should have done that. Why didn't I do this? So uh, at that point, I was like, hey, I grew up eating these bananas. I bring them uh, to the U.S. to eat them as a form of energy while racing, I need to something to do something about these bananas. So that's what kind of sparked the idea. But then again, I had to source the bananas. Um, and I had to find someone to process the bananas for me. So uh, there was two things that I had to find. One was bananas and the other one, a manufacturer. And I had no idea how those things worked. So uh, the first thing that I did, I went to the grocery store and I started looking for products that were similar to what I want to do. And I found chocolate covered raisins. So I was like, my idea was I want to get those dehydrated bananas that I grew up eating. I want to cut them into pieces and cover them in chocolate. I want to have the original, which is just banana. And then I want to have a chocolate version. Um, as an athlete, um, I was looking for a lot of energy and energy that tastes good. So uh, I, I, sometimes we did a lot of chocolate. So I was like, oh, bananas and chocolate go really well together. So I go to the grocery stores and I realized that raisins were a smaller version of what I want to do. So not knowing anyone in the, in the industry or knowing how to go about that, I just called uh, that company that I was selling raisins was one of the biggest players in the food industry. And I called them up and somehow uh, I got connected to the CEO of the company, which uh, all this, uh, it was a big, big, important guy. And I told him, uh, say like, hey, I have this idea. I want to do what you guys do with raisins, but uh, with bananas. Can you guys do that for me? And they said, uh, we cannot do, do it for you, but I have a contact of someone that might be able to do it. So gave me the, then the contact of the CEO of another big company, a big co-packer. And uh, I jumped on the phone call with that guy. And he was like, okay, sounds like an interesting story. Uh, sounds like an interesting product. What is your forecast? I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what is what is the forecast? And like, like I, how the, I was like, I don't know. It's gonna be big. Trust me. Uh, yeah, right, yeah, right. I have this big idea, and uh, I'm not sure if he felt bad for me, but he decided to help me. Uh, part of it, part of it was that uh, he started asking me about my upbringing. Told him I was from Brazil. Turned out that uh, his great-grandparents came from Portugal. So he started asking me words in Portuguese and things like that. And we kind of bonded uh, through the language. And he was like, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, I'll help you with this. So uh, I figured that part out. And then I had to source bananas. So uh, I called my parents. 
And I said, uh, um, can you guys ask around if you, when you're driving uh, through the, through the, um, to this rainforest, like from our city going to the, to the ocean, it's about an hour drive and you go through the mountains and uh, it's a region that they grow a lot of bananas and you have this like smaller grower selling them on the side of the road. So I asked my parents if they could ask some information about bananas. Um, and at the same time, I was trying to build a small team here in the US and uh, start getting some interns. And one of them, uh, his father was uh, in the food industry, was growing a lot of fruits and bananas in Costa Rica. So this kid was probably like a 20, um, kind of had some experience in, in, the, in the fruit and, and banana industry. So I asked him to start calling all these different countries that grew bananas. Uh, so with my help of my parents and, and, and this guy, I started receiving a lot of samples um, at the office, meaning my, my living room, kitchen. That's where we were working at from at the time. Uh, and started getting some great products and asking uh, the suppliers to uh, uh, tweak things for us and if they could change things and end up finding a field that um, has some pretty good products. So uh, got those products um, and uh, got the co-packer to cover some in chocolate and that allowed us to have some samples to launch the product at Expo West in 2012. Um, so... Um, the folks that that's, that saw us there thought that we we kind of knew what we were doing, but uh, we the, we created a a package that looked pretty good. But uh, and we went to uh, FedEx Kinkos at the time; they were still right after the merger, and uh, printed some labels and put it in a stand-up pouch, and that was all we had. We had like two printed bags uh, where people would ask for samples. Like, no, you can try the sample. Uh, but we can not, don't have anything to give you. Uh, and from, from that moment, um, got a lot of traction. Um, but again, all I had was about 20 pounds of each product. So it was good enough to launch, but not to like really start, start selling. But uh, the inbound was phenomenal. Everyone had to have a product. So I was like, okay, I need to really uh, uh, figure this out. So I ended up traveling to a few countries to really visit those farms uh, and, and build some relationships with the farmers. And that's when I learned something that became a really big part of what we do, which was food waste. Um, at that time, um, no one talked about food waste. It's not something that we realized it, like it was happening. But uh, I was in this organic fair trade farm that was uh, packing products to be exported to uh, the European Union. And I see them washing these bananas, and I would say 20% of all the bananas they were washing were going to the side, and it was a pile of bananas that kept growing and growing. Uh, and I didn't understand where those bananas were not packed. So I asked them, so what's going on here? And they said, oh, those bananas cannot be exported. But I was like, why? They look the same as the other bananas. Um, they said, oh, they, most of them, they are green, but they're not green enough. And that is a, a misconception that people still have today, that a lot of the products that go to waste is because they're going bad already. Um, and, and it's not the case at all. In the case of bananas, there is a few factors that make them not qualify as export. Number one is the bananas are green, but they're not green enough. So the ripening process already started. 
if the ripening process uh, starts, uh, they cannot get in the containers to be exported because they'll go bad before getting uh, to the final consumer. Um, so they need to be extremely green. They put in, in chilled containers and they stop the ripening process from happening. Or the size and shape of the bananas. If the bananas are too large or straight, don't have the right curvature, they cannot fit in this box. And it was very interesting to me. Again, I didn't understand what do you mean? So they showed me. The box has like three sizes and shapes of bananas that will fit in. It's almost like you're building a puzzle. So the box is sold as uh, not a number of bananas, but a final weight. So there's all these bananas that need to fit the puzzle to achieve the right weight and fit on the box. So uh, those very large or small bananas, there's a lot of bananas there, the twin bananas, you never see them in the grocery stores in the US, but they grow together. You, you, if you're at the farm, you see them. So yeah, they are perfect, very nutritious bananas that don't make the cut. So I told the guys, uh, said, hey, I can buy those bananas. And everyone is excited because uh, now it was a, a, a second source of income that was not coming from the, the export produce. And to me, I realized we're helping reduce food waste. Uh, so it was a win-win uh, situation. And uh, it's great to see nowadays that food waste is something that people are aware. Uh, Barnana and myself, we are part of founding members of the Upcycle Food Association uh, which is a great organization. And in like the past like 24 months, there's close to, uh, uh, to 200 companies that joined already. So it's great to see. It's very rewarding to me to, to know that I was part of uh, this kind of revolution in a way uh, of educating uh, people about food waste. And uh, this week I learned that some of the companies that are part of the Upcycle Food Association, they learn about upcycling because of us. That was really cool. Some really big companies now, they were saying, I didn't know about food waste until I got, I bought a banana and I read the little story in the back of the package. So that to me, it made my day because uh, it's a lot of work to do what we do and and to be a mindful company that uh, is, is, is looking after the environment, uh, the folks involved in the process and to know that we are inspiring other companies to do the same and like really like snowballing that this whole thing that we do is it's just phenomenal to me yeah and what i'm reminded of and this goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning was growing up the way you did and just like i did the thought of bananas going to waste because they're not quite the right size or like you said a double banana or something like that is just unheard of because you'd, you'd get the stalks off your tree i'm sure and you'd have yep. small bananas big bananas it didn't matter we ate everything we had and that you you never let anything go to waste especially when you know how much effort went into growing those and so that's an awareness that you had seeing that and you were able to leverage that and build it into something like you said, kind of before, it wasn't even a, a conscious thought that, okay, I'm going to be part of this upcycling movement. You just saw something that shouldn't be going to waste and you did something with it, yep. which, which I think is fantastic. And, and it is great. I, I'm glad that you're getting that recognition as well um, as kind of one of the early pioneers of doing something to not let food go to waste and to bring it to its highest value. And now it is a much more popular thing. It's gaining awareness through the Upcycled Food Association and through many other channels worldwide. And, and 
that is wonderful that people are inspired by you and by your products. So I'm curious now, because we go back to this Expo West that you were talking about, where you only had 20 pounds of initial product. How do you get from that to the company that you are today? And how much market research had you done at that point to even know, are people going to like dried bananas? You know, you and I did, but not many people really think of dried bananas as, as a snack food. So when you're starting a company, uh, at least at that time, if you don't have any experience in the industry, uh, you are sampling your friends and family. Uh, sure. That's, that, that's uh, the market research, the extent of the market research you do. And you're yep. talking to as many people as possible. I was so excited about this project. So uh, I was just rambling about bananas and what I was going to do to everyone. And it was getting sampling a lot of people. So I was getting a lot of feedback. And in general, the feedback was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'm coming to the standpoint where I have a product that is very popular in Brazil. So okay. it's not that I'm inventing something like a, out of thin air that no one ever tried. So I was like, I, I think that the palate in Brazil is probably very similar to what to the U.S. Uh, and people like it there. Uh, to me, it was more like a, what they are doing in Brazil is just there is not a brand behind. It's a commodity. And there's no options. There's just one product. Right. Uh, to me, it was I want to get those bananas and add other products, make it cooler, create a brand. And people seem to like it. When I was bringing the bananas uh, initially, not even thinking about the company, I was bringing bananas still to eat uh, in, in bike rides and, and mm-hmm. for races. And my friends would always ask to try. And everyone that tries like, oh, this is great. Why do I get some more? So that was the early indication that the pro- product was good. If people are saying, oh, cool that you like it, but uh, not for me, that would be a different story. But the feedback was really good. So uh, that really uh, uh, gave me some extra motivation to, to bring that. So not a whole lot of uh, uh, market research, uh, of course. Uh, I had a couple guys who were helping me from the beginning that uh, eventually became partners, uh, Nat and Nick, and they were just coming out of college. And mm-hmm. uh, they were like, oh, we need to do this, like a, uh, do some market research, get some information, write a business a business plan. I was like, uh, to me, it was like, no, we just need to get this out there. So let's go let's, sell bananas. Yeah, right, let's right. Sell bananas. Uh, and, and it kind of worked. Um, but we had to be, be creative, right? Because we're launching a company with not a lot of money. And how do we get noticed? So that's when uh, the, the creative, creativity uh, would come out at Expo West and a lot of the events that we did. So that's one of the things that I definitely have learned about you in my research and from talking to you is how creative you are. Can you give us an example of just one of the fun things you did back in the day when you were first starting out? A good story that you probably don't know has been a while since I, I thought about the, the back in 2012 when we first launched. That is kind of before the uh, XOS exploded, but it was already a very large event. So as a first-time exhibitor at the event, uh, we got a location that it was like really way back. And and to the folks that had been trying to get into XOS in the past few years, we got in a month before. You could still do that at the time. Now you have to sign up two years before. Uh, Future is going to be different because of COVID. 
but at that time, managed to sign up uh, the a month before, and I realized that we uh, had our booth near all the supplements in pharmaceuticals, not a lot of food. So a lot of the buyers that were looking for were not even going to that section. So I did a couple of things that got uh, uh, some attention. Um, one of them was, if people are not going to notice me here, I need to go where they are. I had made some good friends uh, in the food industry already, guys selling coconut water, selling acai. So I did... I got basically, I basically got this this wooden banana crates, and I stacked two of them on top of each other, and I put some wheels underneath. I utilized my my uh, uh, skills with wood and and power tools, and, and uh, building this little portable booth that I could roll into different areas. And had it was easy easy at the time. I only had two products, right? So I end up going to the organic section and just going to talk to my friends. And while I was talking to them with my portable booth, people were coming and now oh, what is that? So I got to sample a lot of people. Uh, got kicked out out of those locations back to my booth, but uh, got, <laughs> people noticed us. And uh, I also read the regulations of XOS. You couldn't uh, hang anything off the ceilings or put anything on the walls, you're confined into this 10 by 10 uh, space that you had, but no one talked about uh, the air. So what I did is I went online, This and, and looking back at 2020, there was no drones or anything like that. So there was a little helium balloon that was like a, a remote controlled. So it was this like a, a little blimp uh, uh, thing. Uh, probably like two feet wide that we could fly around. And I printed a little uh, logo and we stuck that logo next to, uh, uh, on the side of that little blimp and we flew that around the expo. And uh, again, people saw it and it worked great until one of the, the uh, air conditioning dots ended up sucking the thing up and it got stuck in the ceiling so we couldn't get it out. <laughs> That's great. But uh, it was uh, it was us being creative with not a lot of money. How can we get noticed? And uh, people saw us. It was controversial. Expo West organizers did not like us, but uh, they noticed us. Well, but so, you know, this, what you're talking about, and a lot of people who listen to this podcast are, you know, entrepreneurs themselves. They're, you know, in the upcycled food space or developing new products or they're thinking about creating a product. And, you know, whether you're in the upcycled space or any space as an entrepreneur, what you're talking about is such valuable information because there's, it's just like you not having a college degree. There's more than one path to success and you just have to think outside the box. And it sounds like you did that. And I've got to ask you about a story that I heard um, about a similar thing, speaking of marketing at the Ironman World Championships in Kona. So let's fast forward to that because you've mentioned that you're a triathlete. You did, you know, you competed in triathlons and we talked about this offline a little bit and I thought it was a fabulous story, a very similar thing, but just another brilliant example of how you can get creative with marketing. So what happened out there in Hawaii? So um, first of all, people were probably asking like, okay, you have a small company. Why are you in Hawaii? I had visited and watched the Iron uh, visit Hawaii and watched the Ironman for the first time back in 2004. That was my industry. Triathlon was like a 
what I did and everyone that I knew. So when we started the company, we were using American Express uh, uh, for everything and realized that we were able to get a lot of points. So I said, like, why don't we get these points and we can get airfares and a place to stay in Hawaii, fly everyone from the company, which was like six or seven people at the time. Let's go to Hawaii and we can really introduce Barniana to to all of these triathletes that are first perfect demographic. Like that's the reason why I started uh, because I was eating while racing. Uh, it was not, uh, the goal was not just to get a product to triathlete. So we didn't start a sports nutrition company, but like they were perfect for us um, as, as buyers. And at the same, same time, we managed to get a local Hawaiian um, convenience chain to sell our product. So what I did is I convinced those guys to allow uh, this, this, this store to allow us to put a, a Barnana tent at their parking lot. They happened to be about uh, 200 meters from the finish line of the Ironman. And we, and we didn't pay Ironman because we had a deal with this, this, uh, this, this store. Uh, and the funny thing is that all the official sponsors, they were about two miles away from the finish line at the official Ironman village. So, uh, and then all of a sudden they had all these people and we were the only vendor in that area. And by the finish line, everyone is there sampling the product. But again, we wanted, we are trying, how do we get people to, to, to learn about the brand? So there was a couple of things that we did that were a little controversial, but got us a lot of attention. Uh, one of them was we found someone online that could make this giant banana and talking about giant it was giant i would say like 25 feet long banana inflatable banana with our logo on the side so we went i i remember getting a rope uh tying the banana the, the rope into my waist and swimming into the ironman course towing that banana and every time the wind came up like i would like put, put me back and i had all the friends helping get the banana and we ended up putting the banana uh, in the ocean. It looked like a, a, a buoy, official buoy of the course. And the, it, the banana was, uh, was there for like a good two days until before the race started and Ironman uh, boats went and removed the banana. And we knew that that was going to happen. And we actually surprised that the banana stayed in the ocean for a couple of days. We were expecting them to remove them like right away but we didn't know uh, uh but we knew that the ocean was free but uh we didn't have a partnership with the race so that was gone but we were prepared for them removing the banana another thing that, that we did was we printed this massive uh banner with our logo and we again swam into the ocean dove into an area that i knew that all competitors would swim by and lift these massive rocks and put them on top of the banner. That way, uh, the banner will stay in place, and uh, it did. So everyone that raced, while they were racing, they were like reading uh, and looking at our, our banner underwater, uh, which was great. And the best story was, two years later, I am in one of the food shows. I believe it was a fancy food show in San Francisco. And uh, I ended up meeting Katie and Taylor. They were the founders of Epic Provisions. And uh, 
someone introduced us, we start talking, and then Katie said, uh, two years ago, I actually raced the Ironman, the World Championships. She was a triathlete, and she qualified for Hawaii. So she said, I was racing, and I saw the Barnana uh, logo underwater. <laughs> so and I was like, wow, that was really impactful. So it was really cool that like being in the food industry and like some folks actually had seen the, the, the banner. So that was a, that was a great story. I was like, okay, that guerrilla marketing was effective. Absolutely. I mean, those stories are just priceless. And, you know, and again, I think it speaks to your creativity and, you know, just really thinking outside the box and going for it. And that's something that I think it, you know, any entrepreneur has to be willing to do. Um, and you just did it in some really, really big ways. I love that you had a plan B and a plan C and a plan D for uh, all of these different scenarios. And clearly that's worked. You know, your company is growing, you know, exponentially. And you mentioned earlier, you said you have four products, but I wanted you to actually elaborate on that. It's four product lines. Tell me a little bit about what's within each product line. And you, you touched on it like the original uh, banana bites, but within each line, you've got multiple flavors and varieties of these different products, right? Yeah. So uh, as I said, it started with two products. That was the beginning, but I already had a list of things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing at the time was I realized that if I launched too many products at once, it could have been difficult. It could dilute the, the products that we had. Uh, I knew that we had to, to have a good distribution and, and start creating a brand before launching other products. So it was a little while uh, with that original line, the, the bites. Um, and that's where everything started. Uh, it starts with this dehydrated banana. Then, like I, I touched earlier, we covered them in chocolate. And, and went from there, created a peanut butter coating. Uh, now we have a peanut butter cup coating, so where we mix the chocolate and the peanut butter. But, and at the same time, we mix the original banana with coconuts, uh, mango, uh, other fruits. So mm-hmm. creating uh, these products that uh, if, you, if you are still like a hardcore healthy, want to just have the dry fruits you have, or if you are uh, uh, on a hike, or in a bike ride, you can have those products. They're great products for kids. Is a, uh, I, I hope that some people use the products like I used to eat as a kid growing up as a healthy kind of candy. Those products yeah. don't have any sugar added. It's basically dry fruits that taste good. And uh, the other ones are for those times where you want to eat something sweet, but you want something su- sweet that is healthier. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a lot of folks used to eat them when, at the time that we used to go to the to to movie theaters, there was actually a few movie theaters selling those products because it was a good, healthy option, uh, and it was doing really well. And then we have the the second line, the cookie brittle, which, mm-hmm. like I said, we are using the bananas and really dehydrating them all the way where they get crunchy. So uh, those have like coconut toppings, uh, chocolate chip, peanut butter toppings. So truly is a cookie made out of bananas that is, that is much healthier than, than other products. And for, for people that are uh, grain-free or don't want to eat any wheat, that's a good option. Uh, and then I would say that the hero right now are our plantain chips. That product is doing really well, basically because they are uh, uh, easy to understand. Uh, is is a 
is a healthier option to potato chips. They have a home in the stores. They are for, for people that want to look for them. They are near other chips. Um, and we want to introduce these healthier options, but not too far from things that people are craving. A lot of times, I think if you try to create something really unique, it's hard for uh, for the grocery stores to understand where to place that product and for consumers to understand how to eat them. So our chips, they are great as they are, or they can be used uh, to eat with, like we said, with guacamole and, and right. salsa. And uh, yeah. people love the, 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 the pink salt, which is uh, just plantains and salt. Uh, really mm-hmm. uh, delicious, but we have a spicy version uh, with bringing a little bit, a touch of the tropics, a little uh, mango, uh, chili, uh, uh, spicy flavor. Uh, we have uh, a lime. Uh, there's a few, few products in that, um, in that product line. And then uh, we have the tortilla chips that, to be honest, right now is my favorite line. Uh, they taste like a delicious tortilla chips, but they are made out of plantains. So very healthy product, fried in a in a cook uh, in a avocado oil. Our plantain chips are fried in coconut oil. So trying to use those non-inflammatory, healthier oils. And um, again, the idea is being the food industry for us was always let's create a product that is delicious and tasting good and similar to to all the products that. Uh, are out there, but healthier. So I think uh, a lot of a lot of people are finding them to be a good option to those products that they grew up eating, which is uh, which is great. Yeah, that is fantastic. And so, in addition to these snacks being healthy for us, I know a big commitment of your company is to also do right by the planet, do right for the environment and for the growers and everybody that you work with. So, what are some of the other ways that you do that in your company? Barnana is also a B Corp. So for uh, people that don't know what that is, it's a benefit corporation. A traditional company or corporation is usually uh, uh, based, uh, the main goal is to really create a, a return to shareholder, basically making money. Uh, and that is important for any sustainable company. Uh, uh, sustainable in the meaning of uh, cash sustainability, not in the environment. For us, we have three different bottom lines, like a, not just the cash bottom line, is uh, uh, the environment and, and the people involved in the business, either if they work for us or if they grow the plantains or process them for us. So uh, it's something that is very, very important to us, this triple bottom line. And uh, we will never really compromise the integrity uh, of the, the, where we source the product, the supply chain. And, and if, if something has a, a negative impact in the environment, we're not going to do it. And we're never really going to exploit anyone involved uh, in the business, uh, which is something uh, really cool to me. And because B Corp is public and people have access to that information, I think consumers are now trying to back those companies up and, and really learning more about products that they buy. I, I think the time where you only had to have a good product and you'd be successful um, and you didn't really have to care about uh, people involved in the business or where the food came from is long gone and consumers are very savvy and they're voting with their dollars. Uh, and we're seeing that because uh, they are uh, they they are buying our products, um, and now that the company is a little bigger, we 
we're able to get some data and do some research. And we found that consumers are not really buying initially yet because of those environmental issues or environmental like uh, where the product is sourced. But once they learn about that, they stay a lot more loyal to brands like ours than other brands, which is something really big. So we did this ANU study that, and we found that um, we have one of the highest uh, net promoter scores in the industry. And, and for people that don't know what that is, is the likelihood of someone to recommend your product and to buy the product again. So our company has one of the highest from all products. In, in, in the supermarkets. And we found that the reason for that is because of our story, because we work in upcycling, because we work with the indigenous communities, they, they wanna help and they're excited to represent um, companies like ours and tell their friends and, and, and post on social media. Um, so it's, it's a good position to be in now. I think it's, the, uh, it's, a, it's a good combination of um, people uh, staying at home because of COVID and having more time to research about the products that they're eating, also having access to social media and be able to tell their friends and share the things that they love. And uh, yeah, we just we're just lucky that uh, we are at the stage that we are now. Well, and and lucky, but you also had a lot of forward thinking and forward vision. I think in doing all of this because you think about it you were building this company back in 2012. And as we said before, the kind of the upcycled food movement was not really even on anyone's radar. It was people were doing it. There's certain products that have been considered that now are considered upcycling, but back then people were just doing it just to do it, such as yourself. Same thing with the B Corps. I mean, whether or not it was a B Corp initially out of the gate, but the fact that you from day one, thought about the people and thought about the planet and thought about creating a product that was good and healthy. You've got all the ingredients that lead to what today's market, today's buyers and consumers are really looking for and what they value. So, you know, that all has to be acknowledged and I think recognized. And that's that's what I think is so fascinating about your company is that you really built it on all of these foundations and it has now really come into its place where that is what more and more people are looking for. I like what you said too, is that a lot of people will buy the product because it's just good. And I agree with you. I mean, I, I've tasted a lot of them. I love the flavors. Um, again, growing up in Miami, we had mango trees. So I see the, you know, the mango plantain chips, the spicy mango salsa. I mean, they're fabulous. The uh, Acapulco lime, we grew our own limes and of course, key limes down there. Yeah. Um, so everything you've done has really, I think, put a real nice look and flavor profile to these different products that you have. And then, like you said, the next thing is you buy the product and then you read the story and now all of a sudden you feel even better and you're more likely to tell somebody. So I get, I get why you're high on the net promoter score as well. So I wanted to find out a little bit about your package design because they're very colorful, uh, very unique, very attractive. And I think they obviously stand out on a shelf uh, when they're side by side with other products. And you've got a great little character on there. 
Uh, Nana, tell me a little bit about that. Where did that come from and what's behind the design on that? Yeah, Nana is our little mascot. And and, uh, we found that that was a great link between um, selling the product in the stores and also like bringing back a little bit of like where the product comes from. Mm -hmm. Uh, That product comes from, like I said, from the Amazon region where there is a lot of monkeys. And uh, our goal is to really protect the forest and that environment where the monks are. So like it's like a a reminder uh, um, that of what we do uh, every day to us. Uh, I want to go back before that because like uh, uh, when we launched the company, we had uh, this guerrilla guerrilla marketing as as well as the actual gorilla. Uh, That sometimes when we're going the guerrilla marketing, we had someone dressed in a gorilla costume running around. We had an actual uh, friend uh, in a gorilla costume chasing uh, Matt at the time, who, who worked with me from the beginning at the Ironman, uh, and the, the run course, we had the gorilla chasing the banana. A lot of people saw that. So on the, at the time, on the back of our package, we had something that Nick, one, uh, the, again, was with me from the beginning, created, was, which was gorilla points. So it was each bag had one gorilla point that you could collect, and an exchange at, after you collect 50 gorilla points, you could get a banana hat, a t-shirt, or have the option of us donating on your behalf to a World Wildlife Foundation or organization that like look after the environment. A couple of years ago, we decided to kind of revamp our package and got introduced to a Brazilian designer. His name, name is Speto. Uh, uh, and is incredible uh, street artist that became very famous uh, in Brazil and and, and globally. He um, designed the uh, the Coca Cola branding for the World Cup, and that was a global campaign. Incredible designer. So um, normally he doesn't really do designs that will stay on the shelf. Like the Coca Cola one was a special edition. Um, after talking to him, he got excited about our mission and what we did and decided that he would design our package. And that's where Nana was created. He got the idea of the uh, gorilla that we had on the back of the package and decided uh, to, to show us uh, this little uh, monkey hanging off uh, our logo, and we really loved it. So uh, it was the – and then he, he came up with that name as well. Uh, Nana, which was really, really cool. So now our packages have Nana on the front and it's easier to identify the package because uh, not many companies have a cute little monkey hanging off their logo. But also when you go to the back now, we have Nana points. So uh, uh, again, it's still doing that. If for, for people that love our product, you can mix and match all those Nana points. And if you send to us, we'll send you some uh, Barnana goodies. Uh, some uh, cool uh, Barnana Nana gear uh, that's still going on. And we're still donating on to initiatives to, to protect the environment. Um, but it, w- it was really cool because we built this relationship with Speto and we loved uh, uh, the package so much that, again, we're always talking about him and what we do. And, and, and I, I actually want to um, connect this to something else that we did this year that I'm very proud we, we did a partnership with Earth Day, which uh, to me is an incredible organization. Uh, Earth Day evolved from being 
a lot of people probably don't even know that there was there is actually an organization, a, a non-for-profit organization that is called Earth Day, that started in the seventies in Santa Barbara, uh, and now there's a global kind of phenomenon <laughs> where uh, the, during the month of April everyone stops uh, and talks about the environment and about Earth Day. But that was actually the the the, the organization uh, that during April has two days uh, that they create this 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 big event uh, with very influential people talking about Earth Day. I was invited to speak on that, which was an honor. But even cooler is they noticed our package and asked who, who, who had done that. So I was able to introduce Earth Day to Speto and Speto designed the official poster for Earth Day uh, 2021. So we, uh, we made some t-shirts with that and, and, and sold during the month of April and all the profits were going back to Earth Day to help uh, education about uh, the environment, protecting the environment. So it's really cool. I'm very proud that we are part of that. And the poster came out incredible. It's, it's so cool. Uh, I really love it. It's even better in person than uh, the, the way that I was seeing online. So something that I'm very proud about. Yeah. And, you know, so I saw you as uh, one of the presenters and you were in incredible company um, last month at the earthday.org live online, you know, five or six hours of presenters talking about things of which you were one and uh, the Pope was one and Ed Begley Jr. I mean, there were a lot of interesting people. And you, were, you were right I'll be up honest, there. I never thought in my life that I was going to be in the same list of speakers as the Pope. Yeah. So it's kind of surreal and cool i sent my family i was like hey look at your son like my, my, my parents look at your son the same list as the pope i'm yeah. not religious but that's pretty cool it was very <laughs> cool and it's great to see you on that and so speaking of that i saw that as well and we talked about this and because this episode we're now in may one of the things we talked about which i think is important it's, it's a theme that a lot of people talk about is that yes earth day is typically is celebrated on april 22nd however we really need to make every day Earth Day and celebrate it and really respect the, the our environment and the planet as if every day is Earth Day. So in that theme, what we thought we would do is these posters were only available in the month of April, right? Yep. But, but, and they are beautiful posters. We have one extra poster and we're going to give that away to one of our listeners. And so we thought about that. And what do you think? Can you throw in a, some banana goodies too, a little package? So we have also a Earth Day t-shirt with the same design. So let's throw that in as well. Fantastic. And, uh, yeah, let's, let, let's get a, a, our whole line of uh, banana from the bites to the chips. That is huge. So thank you so much for doing that because th these posters are absolutely amazing. And I um, I think we can put a copy of it on the um, Too Good to Waste uh, podcast show notes page for this so that you can see it. And then what That's we're going to do is the way we're going to do this, I think we've put together or you've put together and your team has put together um, a fun quiz, a banana quiz, if you will, or a banana quiz. And what we'll do is we're going to have that quiz on our Instagram site, which is too good to waste underscore podcast. 
Uh, we will also have it on the show notes page, Too Good to Waste Podcast.com. And this will be the episode with Kawe Suplisi, of course. And you just go to either one, fill out the quiz. And then on May 31st, we're going to. Pick, uh, we're going to look at all of the people who responded. Everybody who has all the answers right, we're going to drop your names in a hat and we're going to pull one. And somebody is going to get a fantastic prize package with the very limited edition uh, Earth Day 2021 poster, a t-shirt and products from Barnana. So thank you so much for doing that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun and we'll get a lot of uh, interesting answers to these these questions that have been specially curated by the Barnana team. And I haven't even seen them myself, so I can't even give away any clues. Do you have any clue? Uh, we're always, uh, as a joke, monkeying around, but yep. it's always for a good cause. So it's going to be all around uh, sustainability and upcycling and uh, less um, uh, uh, gauge people's knowledge on this topic. And I think like uh, if you participate, you'll get your name on the list, even if you get it wrong, because I think the whole point is to educate people. Right. And yep. I, I we did one this before and I even myself, I got one wrong. So I don't want to be too. <laughs> <laughs> too hard on people if they don't don't get it right absolutely the first time. just respond you 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 play you, you participate you have a chance to win i think that's a absolutely a fair way to do it and so kawe you know as we kind of bring this to a close i wanted to ask you you know of all the things you have done and this may be hard to come up with just one but what would be something that you feel is one of your greatest accomplishments or something that you are most proud of I think that evolved, uh, uh, Kevin. I think at one point it was the first time that we had a big display at Whole Foods mm-hmm. where I was so excited to to have this product that at one point was just a vision that now all of a sudden like, is in one of these most respected grocery stores and there's this big display and my name is on the back. That was amazing. Uh, and, and the bigger... Uh, we get uh, their changes. And then it was all these amazing people that we have working at Barnana. Mm-hmm. And like uh, they all, the reason why Barnana is successful today is not because of me. I just had a good idea. Uh, it's all the people that made things happen. Uh, and they are way better than, than I am and doing things. So it, it was cool to see all these people that like now are part of this. That was a big accomplishment to me. That like just because of this original idea, there's all these people that uh, uh, are working for us, and, and now evolve even bigger uh, uh, to to a bigger uh, uh, thing to me, which is all the impact that we have on the environment. Yeah. I mean, the millions and millions and millions of pounds of bananas that we save from going to waste, waste every year. So, yeah. in a way, we're, we are having an impact on global warming. Uh, because we are helping reduce like this this uh, greenhouse gases, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the fact that because of that we're talking about the story, and then other companies are starting because they heard about that story. That is a big accomplishment to me, and and then like that we are working now with thousands of indigenous communities. That right. is also a big accomplishment to me. Uh, so um, it was it was hard to pick one because there's so many good things that we were doing. So I think they're all equally as exciting so what drives me to work is everything that we do is not really uh the money again like a as a big corp there's the triple bottom line and that is a part of it 
uh, with the money you are allowed to like do all those other great things. But if your driver is money, I think uh, you're not going to go very far. So to me, uh, that is not what drives me is all this great accomplishments that we have, all the people that we help, all the impact that we have on the environment. And every day, like you're working for something way bigger than you. Something that like a, a legacy that I think we can leave behind, even after I'll not be part of the company, uh, which is to me makes me very proud. Uh, so um, yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Congratulations on all of those fronts, and and for all of those reasons, I think that is why I have a huge amount of uh, admiration for you and the company. I love the products, and I am looking on your Instagram site, and you talk about all your marketing strategies. I'm seeing this latest post: "Banana is life." It looks like a gigantic billboard in New York. Is that right? <laughs> totally right. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> So yeah, we go we go uh, crazy with our bananas. Um, yes. But I, I also w- want to thank you because what you do is extremely important. Because look, you are uh, featuring a lot of companies like ours and help uh, spread the word uh, for for companies that have a mission. Uh, so uh, it, it's glad to see that we are not on no longer on this by ourselves. That there is a lot of incredible people doing the same, yes. and and folks like you. Uh, uh, have getting this information, giving access to more people to learn about companies like ours and so many others. It's really cool. So we are all in this together. We we like to call this this the, the good fight. Uh, uh, all fighting for the same movement. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. and and it's growing. The movement is growing, and because of people like you. Uh, um, so thank you. Yeah, thanks for doing all all that you do. You're very welcome. And we're all in good company. We're in great company. And that's what's so fun about this is I get to meet so many people all, like you said, with the same mission. We're all working together in the same direction and with the same values. Um, And that's what makes this whole upcycling food space so great. And I love your creativity. I look forward to seeing what Barnana comes up with next because I know your wheels are always turning on what is the next great product. And I can't wait to see what that is so tell us where we can find you on the different social media platforms because i can see you on instagram right now i know you're there as barnana right where else can we find you uh at barnana pretty much everywhere from from uh twitter to pinterest uh linkedin in between um the one that we i think most people use is instagram and we're very active there but we're still on facebook um so if you go at Barnana, uh, the chances of finding us in most places will be very high. <laughs> well, and from the stories that we heard today about your creative marketing strategies, keep your eyes peeled because you never know where no you're going to see. No Right. <laughs> <laughs> you never know where you're going to see uh, one of Kawe's crazy ideas pop up in your neighborhood, but uh, definitely keep looking for them and look for Barnana products pretty much anywhere you shop and online. You can always go to Barnana.com and you can find the products there. I highly personally endorse them because I've had them and I love them and I think you will too. So Kawe, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and uh we look forward to keeping in touch and just keeping an eye on where you go next. Likewise. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, now there's some pressure to come up with a lot more crazy stuff so I can be invited back and we can talk about that. <laughs>
Absolutely. I look forward to it. I want to be the first. So when you have a new crazy idea you want to reveal, definitely give us a call. We'll get you on here and we'll do the big reveal. Um, but again, thank you so much for putting a package together. Go to the uh, Too Good to Waste podcast.com show notes page for episode 20 and you'll see the quiz or you find us on Instagram at Too Good to Waste underscore podcast and answer the quiz. You'll see the instructions there and you get a chance to win that beautiful Earth Day uh, poster t-shirt and a package of Barnana goodies. Well, that brings to a close another episode of the Too Good to Waste podcast series. I'm your host, Kevin May, and I want to thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I really like talking to Kawe. He is just filled with fun and creative, really kind of over-the-top and out-of-the-box strategies for marketing and just really developing new products and getting them to market. So if you're an entrepreneur, you're developing a new product or something, hopefully some of these great ideas inspired you to do something fun and exciting with your products as well. If it has, let us know because we'd like to share it with others so maybe they can be inspired too. Now, if you happen to enjoy this series, and I certainly hope you do, you can help us out tremendously by giving us a five-star rating and following us on Instagram at too good to waste underscore podcast. If you've got an episode idea, by all means, send us an email. Go to our website, too good to waste podcast.com and shoot us an email under the contact page. Special thanks going out to Sue Marshall for help with creative development and to Amy Gilbert, our associate producer and resident upcycled food baker. We'd also like to thank, of course, our sponsors, NetZero. You can find them at netzero.us and the Upcycled Food Association at upcycledfood.org. Too good to waste.